0: The title of this message is Don't Forget the Inner Man. Uh, Do not forget the inner man. Uh, Over the last several uh, weeks, if you go back in Ephesians, uh, Paul is laying out a lot of good stuff. Uh, First of all, he laid out that God had a redemption plan from the very foundations of the world, amen. That's some great news. From the very beginning of time, God in his love and in his mercy had already made a plan for you and for me to be able to be saved for the whosoever that shall come trusting him by faith. Two, that we were dead, but he says, but now we have been made alive through Jesus. Who says that's a good thing? Amen, that's a good thing. Uh, Three, not only is Jesus, uh, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. That we're no longer separated, but that we are one in Jesus. Uh, That it is no longer about Jews or Greeks or anything else. It is about those that together have followed Jesus by faith. And he says, you are one in me. And not only that, God, he says, I don't leave you there. I didn't just save you to not to use you, but I saved you to build my church. Amen. Who says that's a good thing? Amen. That God didn't save us just to set us on the sideline. He says, I'm going to build my church with the people that I have saved. Amen. But then not only that, we see that God uses us to build upon the foundation that has already been started by Jesus and his church. But then, guys, all of a sudden, this takes a little bit of a different turn. Now, Paul has just laid out the good news. He's laid out the exciting news. He's laid out the news that me and you should be like, whoo, This 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 is exciting. This is the moment that you just got saved, and man, God's been calling you, and you've been—he's been tugging your heart. You've been under conviction, and all of a sudden, man, your knees and your 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 elbows and your 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 hands that are so locked up on that pew, and you just remember, God, I'm yours." and you say, God, I'm coming by faith, trusting you. Guys, y'all remember that day? How excited that you are. Man, I could run through any wall for Jesus that day. I didn't know nothing about nothing, but I tell you, I would have told everybody at Lebanon High School the next day about Jesus. I remember I had a, some girl that I, I, I was talking to back in high school, freshman year. I got saved the night before. Gina, she, she not no. um, Sorry, I, I don't open that one up. Um, But I tell you, I was talking to this girl, you know, and I got saved the night before. I remember going into Lebanon High School, didn't know nothing about nothing, but I told her I got saved last night, amen. She looked at me like I was crazy. But it didn't matter because I knew what God had done for me and I was excited about it. And no matter what happened, man, everything was good. Everything was fresh. Everything was new. I could do anything for Jesus. But then life starts to hit and Paul I think right now he's just given us the great news. Man, it's exciting. But then Paul realizes, even in mid-sentence, I'm locked to a prison guard. And then he says, my knees bow. Because I think in that moment, he said, I have given the good news to these Ephesians. It's wonderful. But then he said, but my knees bow for you because hard days are coming. Hard days are coming, and nobody knew that better than Paul. Here's the truth. Building, working, living for Jesus is hard. It's the greatest thing that you will ever do, but it is very hard if you're truly doing it. If you are truly living for Jesus, if you are standing out for Him, it is hard. But it is also the most rewarding thing that you're ever going to do in your life. I believe in a lordship salvation that when we surrender all to him, he becomes our Lord, we die to self, and we must live for Christ. And while Paul is in prison in the Ephesians, he says, I know that you're going to face hard times. But guys, it's easy to settle for something cheap, and it's easy to settle for something easy. But guys, we are not to settle for something cheap and easy. The Bible says that the cross was difficult, and if it was difficult for Christ, you better believe that it's going to be difficult for you. but we can either settle for something cheap and easy, but I believe God says that I want to build my church on the good stuff. I want to build my church not on wood and stubble, but I want to build it with gold, precious stones, silver, you name it. That's what I want to be able to build my church on, and I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of a stone. I want to be a good stuff. Man, I want to know that whatever I did... For Jesus, somebody can come back behind and build on top of what God allowed me to do. But the worst thing that I would ever want is somebody to come try to build on top of what I had to do and clean up the mess that I made. Guys, let's build with good stuff. But when you think of gold, whoever thinks, watches these TV shows, man, you've seen all these shows, they're digging for gold, they're they're in the ocean looking for gold, you name it. You think, you know, go back into history class. Uh, back in the day, and you think about the 49ers going to California, they had to give it all up to find the gold, amen? So if you want something good, you're going to have to dig for it. You're going to have to mine for it. You're going to have to have your hands on to find it. But so many times, we never find it because we're never looking in the right place and we're never using the right materials. Guys, I want you to understand, your walk with Jesus isn't going to just jump out and you're just not going to grow just because you're sitting on the sideline. Are you with me? If you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, your hands have got to get dirty, your hands have got to get to working, and your feet got to get to moving. Amen? God expects us to put in a little effort. Now, your salvation is free. There ain't nobody. You can't earn, you can't earn your salvation. The Bible is clear. That is a gift from God. But when that is over and we have received Jesus by faith, the Bible is clear in Ephesians that we are his workmanship. That means that God is going to start working us day by day by day by day. But a lot of times we want our relationship to be easy. Guys, it would be a lot easier to go. I, we used to cut wood with my family. Now, that's hard work. But it, you don't have to look real hard for a tree. It's all growing up right up on top of the ground. Anytime that you go and you cut hay, it just grows up. You just go and you cut it. Now it's a lot of work having to reap it, but it's not hard to find. But I don't know about you, but I've never found gold in the ground because I've never went looking for it. I've never tried to find it. And it's easy to settle for what is easy. Are y'all with me? It's easy to say, God, I will just settle building with wood because it's easy. I'll settle building with hay because it's easy. Guys, get out of the easy and go hard. Go all in for Jesus. I guarantee you today, if I took a poll out of everybody in here that is following Jesus more today than they were when they were saved, I bet I could ask every single one of them, from David to Travis to some of you guys, deacons, you name it, whoever it is, I bet there was a moment where you went all in for Christ. Christ. And you started saying, you know what? I'm tired of being on the sideline. I'm going to step out by faith, and I'm going to do more for Jesus. And if y'all are like me, you probably felt very inadequate. I know the moment that I surrendered to Jesus, and Brother Wiley told me, and man, I was all in. And Brother Wiley told me, he said, "Brandon, you're taking over the youth today. What youth? Y'all know the story. But guys, in that moment, when my very first Sunday school class with the youth at Cedar Grove, we had one kid and I had knew no story at all but David and Goliath. That's all I knew. And you say, well, Brendan, I was a deacon. Until you start teaching, you don't realize how little you know. <laughs> I didn't know nothing. All I knew was maybe what Brother Terry had been preaching from the pulpit and I wasn't listening. Brother Terry, you should have came back and popped me on the head. You know that. I deserved it. <laughs> But guys, I want you to understand that the moment that I went all in for Jesus, he started growing me immediately. He started filling you with good stuff. And all of a sudden, that hay and stubble was starting to turn into some precious stones, amen? And all of a sudden, man, I was so on fire for Jesus. All of a sudden, man, every single scripture started to turn into something that I've never seen before. And before you know it, I started to fall in love with Christ. Are you in love with Jesus? No, I mean it. Are you in love with Jesus? Now, I don't want you to be in love with the, uh, the thoughts of Christ. I don't want you to be in love with the things of Christ. I don't, are you in love with Jesus? I'm not saying are you in love with the church. I'm not saying are you in love with the fellowship. I'm not saying are you in love with the benefits of Christ. Do you love Jesus? And if He was all you had, would it be, would it be enough? Guys, God is all we have, and He's all we need. But many want their relationship with God to grow on top of the ground. They want it where it's easy to find, not much work. Uh, but guys, I want you to understand: we should be in a true relationship, growing towards Christ, and it's going to cost. You will not grow without inwardly seeking Christ. And Paul knew what following what following Jesus had cost him, and Paul knew what it meant would have cost the Ephesians. Guys. Well, he's about to lay out some prayer for us. He's about to lay out some prayers that I think that we should have for our people. You want to pray for your child tonight, today, you need to do this. You want to pray for your church, it should be this. If you want to pray for yourself, it should be this. How many of us lay down at bed tonight and we pray for God, be with me, help me, Lord, help me to have a roof. Thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you, Lord. I, just, I thank you for what you've given me. Lord, help me tomorrow at work. Lord, to provide for what I need. That's good prayers. God wants us to come to him for our physical needs. But guys, if we avoid the inner man, we've missed it. Because guys, there's something on the inside that matters. And we can have all the physical things taken care of and inwardly be a mess. And I think that's what's happened to a lot of our people. You know, if I want to pray for my child tonight, if I want to pray for Maddie and Gracie, do I want them to have a roof over their head? Yes, I do. Do I want them to be provided for? Yes, I do. But you know what I really want? In a world that has absolutely fallen apart in a world that all of a sudden they're growing up in and they're seeing these attacks, they're seeing the murder, they're seeing the killing. You know what I really want to pray for? When my kids go to school and they see all the LGBTQ, whatever, W, what all of it is, and it's bombarding them. You know what I want to pray for is when my children see a world that is opposite of what their daddy has told them that is true. I want to pray at that moment that their inner man will be strong. Amen. It is about the inner man and there are so many people that outwardly look like they're doing and they're strong but my friend inwardly we are fading The guys Paul says it don't be so focused on the outward man because the outward man perish away. My friend, you can work out all day long you're still going to die my friend. You can focus on how much money you got. You can focus on how good your home is. You can focus on making sure you got the best meals in the world. You can focus on everything outwardly, and it's all going to fade. It's all going to be here today and gone tomorrow. But the inward man, Paul says, is renewed day by day by day. And if you are right with Jesus, guess what? It don't matter what's going on on the outside. The inward man can say, I know Jesus. It's going to be just fine, and I'm going to make it. Amen? The inward man. We focus so much on what we shouldn't. But Paul knew that the Ephesians were about to go through a tough time. And in verse 14, it says, this caused him to bow his knees. Look in verse 13. says, wherefore, I desire that you faint not. He's saying, that should be our prayer. Hillcrest Baptist Church, faint not. Keep going. Maddie Gracie, Lord, I pray that you faint not. How about some of you? Are you already fainting? Are you not what you used to be? You don't pray like you used to. You don't work like you used to. You don't love Jesus like you used to. My friend, you're fainting. Paul's prayer, faint not. When the tribulations come, grow strong. You know, with all this that has happened with Israel, it's sad. It's horrific. I talked to the kids on Wednesday night why we stand with Israel in the first place. A lot of times we, we say, yes, I stand with Israel. Why do we stand with Israel? Man, they're God's people. And whatever God loves, we should love. But we see all this tragedy, and we see all this mess. And it is so easy, guys, to just get so bothered by it. And we should get bothered by it. But the truth is, I'm encouraged by it because this is coming true more and more. And it encourages me that God's Word is truth. And that nothing catches Jesus by surprise. That everything that happens, man, God says, Son, daughter, I've already told you what's going to happen. Just trust in me. But in verse 14, he says, Guys, wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. But then he says in 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was in desperation prayer for his people. If our victory is going to come, if our success is going to come, if we're going to get through our struggles, if we are going to defeat our sin, if we are going to see our world turn to Christ, we've got to go back to our knees. And so many times we don't want to go to our knees in prayer. And You say, well, Brendan, I don't have to pray on my knees. I get it. But Paul did it. I believe we should look at it. Amen. A lot of times we've we got to pray without ceasing, the Bible says. And that's, that's it. We can't be on our knees all the time. We've got to work. But guys, how, when is the last time that you've humbly, I'm not saying just at an altar, at your home, that the things of this world has bothered you enough that you would get on your knees before, humbly before an all-knowing God? I told the kids the other night, I said, I think it's going to take an atomic bomb hitting Lebanon, Tennessee, before we will ever wake up. We have become the most self-focused people in all the world. If it don't affect me, I don't pay attention to it. I hope and pray that the world, when I'm struggling, would pay attention to it. And guys, we should be in prayer. But let's, let's pray, and then we'll just get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your blessings as you give us. Thank you for those that are here today. Lord, I ask you for your strength. God, there's times when I just don't have it. And I, Lord, I think today's one of those days where, God, if you don't help me, I can't, but Lord, you've proven over and over again that you can, and Lord, I'm asking God just to be with me, guide me. Lord, speak to our heart today, like only you can. In Jesus' name, Amen. But Paul's prayer was not one of physical needs, but it was one of inner needs. Second Corinthians four sixteen through seventeen says, "For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day." For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not on the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If you're going to walk upright, if you're going to endure, if you're going to be courageous, the inner man must be in tune to God. It doesn't matter how good the paint job is on the car, if the engine ain't running. Some of us, our paint jobs look pretty good. On the outside, we look pretty good. But on the inside, we're barely moving. Guys, if our relationship with Jesus is an afterthought, my friend, when the times and the trials come, you ain't going to be able to stand. You're not going to be able to go with strength but Paul says "For uh, this prayer should be for children, for our churches, for self. It should be that the inner man is strength. And let's go ahead and get started. In, verse, in number one, he prayed for strength and power in verse 16. It says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Guys, we should be praying... Not that every single problem of ours should be taken away. That's good. That's wonderful. But we should be praying for ourselves and for our families and for our church that when the hard days come that we have strength and power. Power is needed to live the Christian life, to see sin defeated, to get through trials, to get through worldliness, to get through grief, to get through fear. Power of God is needed. Uh, the word dunamai means force, energy, might. And there's nothing on the outside of man that is going to help. The inner man who must be locked in with the Holy Spirit is how we get through hard times. And God says, I, when I saved you, I filled you with the Holy Spirit. And I think a lot of times Christians forget that they are filled with the Holy Ghost. That means that God is with us. He is comforting us. He is always beside us. But yet he's often the last thing that we think of. But nothing on the outside of man is going to help. The inner man must be right with God. We need to be praying not only the physical, but that God fill us on the inside. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. I I, I get more, I guess I get worked up on this stuff because I see it. You know how many times that I have even seen young people that I will tell them what I believe the Bible says and we will pour into this group. And then within one year of going to college, some stupid professor has undone everything that a lifetime of you have tried to pour into somebody. I had a young man one time come to me and he said, Brandon, this is a young man who was saved. He, and I believe God's bringing him back around. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I talked to him recently. He said, Brandon, I, talk, I had one conversation this week. And he's like, I want to talk to you. And he said, I just don't know. After one conversation with somebody that thought they had all the answers that can make them doubt, he said, I don't know if I believe in anything that you've been preaching this entire time. And I'm saying, you're telling me out of all that God has done for you and that of all that you, the preaching that you've heard and that all the lessons that you've heard and all the scripture that you've heard in one conversation, somebody can make you doubt it. Guys, the reason why I believe that Paul is saying this because... We should be praying for God to give us strength and power and to be grounded in what we believe because Satan is a roaring lion trying his best at every moment of every second, trying to reach into the inner man of people to stop them in their tracks. And you're going to have to be strong to get through it. But we need to be praying not only for the physical but that God fills us on the inside. We were saved, we were filled with the Holy Spirit. But the problem, you say, Brandon, why do I not feel power and why do I not feel the Spirit? When we are refusing to let God have control, when we have sin in our life not repented from, in Hebrews 5, 12, 14 says that we must start to fill up on the meat of the Word. The reason why we don't feel like we're led by the Holy Spirit, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, is because we've never gotten off the milk and got into the meat in our life. And I don't know if you were here Sunday night, but that's what I told everybody. If you want to get on the meat and your life, guys, you can sit here week after week after week after week after week. And you can hear the greatest sermons that you've ever heard in your life. And I'm going to tell you tonight, Adrian Rogers is going to show up. And he's going to give you the wonderful, awesomest sermon. And then after that, Billy Graham's going to show up. And he's going to have the greatest invitation in the world. And if we don't start to apply what we are hearing, you are never going to grow past the milk in your life. And we have made it about the pulpit. It is that preacher's job to help me grow. It is that preacher's job. It is that teacher's job. It is their job to help me get on the meat. No, it is your job to get on the meat, And the only way that you're going to get there is to start doing the small things that which you understand. You say, well, Brandon, I just don't understand what I'm supposed to do. Do you understand one thing? If you've asked Jesus into your heart and he has saved you, you, you say, well, Brandon, what do I do next? To get baptized. You know how many people, I had a lady in my first pastorate. She said, I am proud to be the only Baptist that's never been baptized. I'm like, well, there's a bunch that ain't never been baptized. And I said, if you are proud to be that, you never know. You don't know Jesus in the first place. And she even told me, she said, Brandon, the only reason I come to this church now, you trying to get Sunday nights going and Wednesday nights going. She said, the only reason I came to this church in the first place is because there's only one service. And I'm like, wow, okay. I'm like, woman, you ain't ever grew past the milk. And the only way that we do that, the only way that we start to gain strength and power in our life is to start doing the small that God has told us to do. So you say, well, Brandon, what do I do first? If you never been baptized, follow Him in baptism. Next, he's going to show you what's next. If you are faithful with a little, He will show you more. Amen? Everybody in here that's been saved knows that they have the job to share God's Word. Everybody in here knows that God has made it clear in our walk, you are to tell others about Jesus. Well, who in here has ever shared Jesus with somebody? And who in here has ever been able to lead somebody to Jesus? Who in here has never tried? And you say, well, Brandon, I'm on the milk. I'm not feeling that inner man is strong. Then go out tomorrow and witness to somebody. Go out tomorrow and do what God has told you to do. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to fill up. You're going to all of a sudden start to say, ooh, this is what it's about. It's not always about me. It's about what God has done for me. Now I'm going to start breathing into other people's life. The first time I got to, uh, got to share Jesus with somebody and somebody got saved, it changed my life, and I've never looked back. But, guys, before that, I didn't realize how empty I truly was. But the problem is, Brandon, why do I have no power? It's because we're not living for Christ. But we, not, we have got to feed the spirit instead of the flesh. We live in a time where everybody feeds the flesh instead of the spirit. The flesh is what everybody's focused on. Man, God, I, I, I will serve you as long as you take care of my my, spirit, my physical needs. I'll serve you as long as I got time to deal with my children and take them anywhere which they, want we, they need to do. Lord, I'll serve you as long as you fit into my schedule. I'll serve you. Guys, I want you to understand, if you are feeling tired tonight, you're to this morning, you're feeling tired and worn out, and you get up on a Sunday morning and you just say, Lord, I just don't know if I have any kind of effort left to come back tonight, let alone Wednesday night. I'm so busy. I'm so tired. Then my friend, get rid of whatever that's making you busy and tired because it is not the church. I said this on last Sunday night. If you come to Hillcrest Baptist Church for every single service, five hours a week. Five hours a week. I know for a fact we set. most of us will sit and watch a TV show for five hours a week. We will do whatever we want to for more than five hours a week, but yet we say, God, I don't feel the Holy Spirit in my life. My friend, we won't give God but one hour a week, and we don't like it when we're giving Him that one hour. Guys, I'm telling you, our world is about to fall apart. And Christians do not care. We say we care. We say, "Ma'am, we care about abortions. We care about, uh, we, we don't like the LGBT, all this stuff. We say, but our actions don't say that we care. Our words say that we care. But until your actions match your words, you don't mean a thing. Are you with me? Guys, it bothers me, and I hope and pray that it bothers you that we should not be satisfied with the status quo. We should not in our life. But we've got to start feeding the, the, the spirit instead of the flesh. But then he also he says, guys, not only are you to be strength and have power, he said you've got to be filled with God's presence. Look in verse 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Christ, he says, to dwell, to reign in your hearts by faith. If you're saved, Christ is in your heart. But does he feel at home in your life? Does God feel at home with you? The Bible says that when He comes into our heart, He comes into our heart to stay. He's living with us. Even though there's times that I might not feel Him, it doesn't mean that He's not there. It's because that I'm trying to ignore Him in my life. But does He feel at home in your life? At the end of the day, does God say, this is a place that I love to live, or is this a place where I don't even feel welcome? When the things of God start to reach into your life and he's starting to convict you and he's starting to say, son, I want more for you. I want you to do this. Are we the first ones to say, get out of my house? And God says, I don't even feel at home in a home that invited me in. Guys, there's only one place that a, when a Christian is going to be happy and that is when we are all in for Jesus, not when we are on both sides of the road. But Christ says, I want to dwell with you. But does he feel at home? Often we take Christ into some awful places in our life. How we live, how we talk, what we see, where we go. And you ask him to be your Lord. And that means he says, I'm going to be here forever because I'm going to promise you and I promise you that I'll always be with you. And God keeps his promise. But then we live as if he doesn't exist in our life. Then we wonder why we don't feel his presence My friend, it's not God who moved. It's you. God is there. And he is begging and pleading us to get real with him. It is not God whose presence is fleeting us. It is us running from him. But we must commune with God. We must fellowship. We must worship. And you will feel his presence again when we get rid of the idols and sin out of our life. Guys... Y'all say, I don't live in a time of idol worship. Uh There are idols absolutely everywhere. And you say, well, Brent, I don't have idols. I don't have no wood structure. I don't have no piece of metal that I'm worshiping. My friend, even Hillcrest Baptist Church can become an idol. You know how many churches today in America are idols in people's hearts? God, that church is going to be what I want it to be. That church is going to stay the way I want it to stay. I want it to be just exactly the way I want it, and that's the only way I'm going to be happy because in my life I have made an idol of what I believe the church should be. That's an idol. You say, well, Brandon, I don't have any idols. What about your family? Our idols can quickly become our families. My idols used to be my wife. Guys, I met her when I was 18 years old. I fell in love with her. And you know you know how that is. When you fall in love, I mean, everybody in here, man, woo, that's good times, amen. I couldn't think of nothing else but her. And as I grew up and as we got married, she was always my number one. She's my best friend. But the moment that God changed my heart on that and I realized that she was an idol is the moment that I realized when she got sick, I thought that she was all that I had and that my life was going to end because I didn't have her. And I even made my family an idol. And God said, son, I'm your Lord. I've brought you this far. I'm going to take you the rest of the way. I give you her. She, I gave her to you. Son, I love her more than you do. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And we wonder so many times, while there's no presence of God in our life, it's because we're filling our life with everything else that God doesn't have room in our life to even speak to us. When are we going to make God number one again? When are we going to make God, let him be on the throne of his own church again? When are we going to let God be the thro- on the throne of our life again? When are we going to realize that we don't have our plans all laid out, that just maybe the sovereign God of the universe knows more about our life than even we do? Do you know Jesus? And if so, you should love him and his ways in your life. And not only that, in verse 17 it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that you be rooted and grounded in love. Plants won't grow unless there is proper soil. Our proper soil is love. If our service for God lacks love, it is like sounding brass in a tinkling cymbal, cymbal and it just don't mean much, amen? But we are to be grounded. That means a foundation built on Jesus. When the rain falls and the floods come, it means we are going to remain strong. And the best thing that you can ever do for your family, the best thing that you can ever do for your grandchildren, the best, best thing that you can ever do for your church, the best thing that you can ever do for somebody is to lay out a good foundation on Jesus Christ in their life. Because when the rains come, that foundation will strong if you have been rooted in Christ. But if you have been rooted in everything else your entire life and you have showed your children your entire life that God is number two, but yet in that moment when the rains come, you want to say that he's number one, my friend, they're not going to listen. Are you listening? God is all we have and he is all we need. But we live in a world where people have twisted that. And Christians have fallen into it just as much as anybody else where we think God is just something we serve on Sunday. God is all of my life. My life belongs to Jesus. (laughs) But we should know that God, that the soil in which we are grounded in, the foundation built on Jesus Christ, and we should know the love of Christ in our life. So we should pray that God, help me to be strong. Help me to be courageous. Help me to be strengthened by you. Not only that, we should say, God, dwell in my heart. Lord, help me to be rooted. Help my family to be rooted. Help my family to be grounded in love. And then it says, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. One thing that we should be in prayer about for our churches and our families and you name it is that God loves you with an everlasting love and that no matter what happens in this world, no matter where it happens to you in your life, no matter where your children end up, no matter what situation that they're in, no matter what happens, that God loves you. I can't understand how much God loves me Because I can't understand it when I mess up and I make mistakes. How many times I should have lost his love, but yet God so loved me. The love of God will get you through a lot of tough days. And we should never forget it. And we should never get over it. What is the length of God's love? Uh, When we first loved him, no. When we were first born, no. At creation, no. Let me tell you what the length of God's love is. It never started. It has always been. It is everlasting. Amen. Amen. When will he stop loving us? When we're disobedient, when we are in sin, after 70 times 7? No, God loves you whether you love him or not. I'm going to tell you what, guys. God loves every prisoner. He loves every murderer. He loves every killer. He loves absolutely anybody that even you think no way God can love them. God loves them. And I ain't no better than they are, amen? And God loves me. How wide is God's love? It's wider than the universe. It is bigger than this world. How deep is God's love? It is deeper than the deepest ocean. It is as deep as the cross. It is as deep as His death. It is as deep as the separation that He was on the cross from His Lord, from His Father. That's how deep His love is. How high is God's love? That means that right now he is at the hand of the Father, yet he sees you, yet he hears you, and no matter where you are today, there is a love that passes all understanding, reaching out, amen. That's how big God's love is. That it is so wide and it is so tall and it is so deep and there is no way that we can... I can't get over how good his love is, that love that passes all understanding. And then it says in verse 20, and we're going to be closing, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Guys, when we go all in for Jesus, when we say, God, I am yours, when we say, God, my family belongs to you, my family belongs to you, my, my spouse, my kids, my job, my church, my life, When we get to a point where we say, God, everything is yours. He says, then I will do abundantly greater than you ever believed. If it was up to me, oh, what my life would have been, I never would have gotten past being a delivery driver. You know that. I would have settled for a life of just with my family and just with my kids, and I would have died and I would have lived, and I'd said that's all the kind of life I want to live. Amen. It's a good life. But you know, Chris, sometimes God has more for us than that. We're going to fix that. I want to walk. <laughs> God's got more. Troy, how many times if you would have done it your way, you, God says you would have settled for so much less? David, how many times if you said, I would have went my way, he would have gave you so much, you would have settled for so much less? How many times in your life, if you would have done it your way, you would have settled for so much less? But when we start to do it God's way, and we start to say, God, it belongs to you. God, it is all about you. God, I am yours. I am telling you, God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Wherever you want me to be, I'll be. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. And God says, you know what, now I can use you. Now your heart is ready to be used and you are willing and you are able. And God says, I will do greater and more abundant in your life than you ever dreamed. That's what he wants for his people. And I believe that right here at Hillcrest Baptist Church, that God is calling his people to say, when are you going to give it all to me? When are you going to quit settling for the minimum? When are you going to quit building with stubble and dirt and all these things? And when are you going to let me build your life with gold? That's what he wants. And guys, I believe that God's calling somebody here today. Now today, I struggled a little bit this morning. But I believe God, it ain't about men. It's about him. And God can speak through a heart even when we don't think He can. Amen. Just like I said, when God, we say, God, here it is, He says, I can do abundant with what you give me. So, whatever God's calling you to do today, you say, Brandon, I've never been baptized. You come and be obedient and follow Him in baptism. You say, Brandon, I've been living a life where I don't feel the presence of God in my life anymore. Why don't you come to an altar and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin? Lord, straighten me out. Lord, I want to feel the presence of God in my life. And whatever those hindrances are in your life, will you have enough faith to get rid of them? Will you have enough faith to get rid of the TV? Will you have enough faith to get rid of the computer? Will you have enough faith to get rid of the phone? Will you have enough faith to restore relationships? Will you have enough faith to say enough is enough? And maybe God's calling you to be a member of this church. Guys, it don't matter if we got a pastor or not we got great men of God and women of God that have been praying for this church. And God is going to send us the right man at the right moment in the right time. Why don't you just get on board right now? I promise you He's going to take care of that. Amen. But whatever God's calling you to do, we're about to go into the Lord's Supper. The Bible says that our hearts should be right before we take His Supper. Our hearts should be with Him before we take our, this Supper. Our hearts should be full of repentance before we take this Supper. So there's no better time than right now to say, God, set me straight. Lord, I want to be used by you. Lord, help me to be strong. Help me to be courageous. Help me, Lord, to be filled with your spirit and your presence. Help me, Lord, to build on gold. And Lord, help me to build on my life that a foundation that is worth your name. And Lord, just do something only you can do. Let's pray. You stand, Troy. You guys come.